Tribe Talk. Tribe Talk is a podcast created to elevate your life through real talk, true stories, and great debates, with some fun sprinkled in. We dive into all things lifestyle, health, and wellness to expand your knowledge and guide you towards living your happiest, healthiest life. I am Sam. And I am Emily. And we are your hosts. Hello, hello. So I am here today, not with Emily, she's not here today, but I have a special guest with me in person, and her name is Lisa Shaw. And I know Lisa from, I started going to our yoga classes last year, was it last summer you mm-hmm. were here? Yes, yeah. last summer. Um, and I just remember that first class I went to of Lisa's, I was so hooked on her style because it was really tough. <laughs> And I'm sure it was in the summer and it was really sweaty class, but I was just hooked because it was such a unique style she had from any yoga I'd done before. And I just felt so much stronger after it. And she, I remember actually, she spoke to me um, after the class and we had such a long conversation. I don't know if you remember actually, it's about Kundalini yoga and, um, and I just thought, gosh, she is like one of the nicest people I've ever met (laughs) because she's so friendly. So I'm so excited to have her with me today. So welcome, Lisa. Well, thank you, Sam. Goodness me. Well, following what an introduction. <laughs> but I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> so if you would just like to tell everybody a little bit about you and cool. your journey. Cool. Well, um, yes. So um, as Sam said, I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I've been teaching for nearly 17 years now. Um, and have trained all over the world in lots of different styles, lots of different places, Um, mainly just training whenever I came across something that felt good in my body or I saw the outcome more mentally than anything. Um, It really inspired me to want to train in it. So that's how I kind of came around to doing nearly 2,000 hours of training. That's where I'm at at the moment. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And and about to do another 800 hours um, over this year into next year. What style? Um, So Budokan. I'll be doing the Budokan training, yeah, which is um, mixed movement, MMA, and uh, animal locomotion. What's that? Um, so that's it's taking us back to kind of Homo sapien time. So uh-huh. just using the body as like animals do, kind of being back into all fours yeah. and being closer to the ground and using the body in a completely different way. So um, actually what's potentially is actually more beneficial for our bodies um, due to the way things like the pelvis sits, the way that we use our joints and our ligaments and all these kind of things. Um, so, But it's also a really great way of uh, training it's really fun um we do lots of different types of different animals things from gorilla um we do tiger um lots of different types of monkey um so yeah it's, it's a really fun that fun sounds so fun oh it's amazing it's incredible <laughs> it's actually done by a guy called cameron shane he's like a famous um mma fighter um, and so him and his wife, Marlene, they run it in Miami. So you have to go to Miami to train with them. Oh, wow. Um, so you're so going to Miami. Going to Miami at some point, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that training. And then uh, the other one is dice yoga. So he's What's like, that? so dice yoga is, so it's, um, it's a guy called Dice. Um, and his ex-partner, his ex-wife, uh, Bryony, have come together um, and they do a teacher training um, and so, yeah, I'm going to hopefully be going on that, which is 300 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, he's a very dynamic teacher. A lot of the stuff actually that you've come before and done in my class, especially the class I do at Calm on the Saturdays, yeah. um, that's taken a lot, that's taken from kind of Dice's style. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of engagement work, um, a lot of, uh, kind of functional movement as well. Um, very strong, it's a very strong practice that he, he teaches. But very creative and very dynamic, as I as I like, yes. which you you know all about. So. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of where where kind of I'm at as a teacher. Um, and then uh, I have a couple of businesses. So uh, we have the retreat center in Morocco where we run retreats throughout the year. Um, and then my kind of longest standing yoga company I have is Balearic Yoga. Uh, slogan: Not just yoga. Uh, effectively, we are a yoga and adventure concierge company but I don't like to say that because <laughs> we basically do everything yeah um but we are a yoga and adventure company basically we we mm-hmm. take people on um different experiences in the Balearic Islands 
So kind of helping people to connect deeper with nature um, and to find a way of healing through nature and to use yoga or physical activity to, in the outdoors. Um, yeah. So we do lots of different things. We have a thing called Taylor My Retreat where we tailor retreats personally to people. Um, so anything from one person to a hundred people we can tailor. Um, we put together everything from a hotel, a villa, all the way through to your yoga, beauty therapy, days out, driving, boats, you name it. We kind of put wow. it together and structure a whole whole holiday for you. Um, and so I've had that for 10 years. It's actually the 11th year we're coming into now. And then my newest adventure at the moment is the Movement House, um, which is opening kind of end of May in Leith Walk in Edinburgh, which is where I'm now based. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, um, that's kind of everything is as small as it can be in a nutshell. Um, the journey of kind of ending up here in Edinburgh has been been a long one and a very complicated one but it's worked out to be the best thing because it means that I'm actually now eventually pretty much ticking off the biggest goal in my life which is to um, to have a studio and to create the concept of the movement house um, which is based around mental mental health and helping people through mental health through movement yeah so so that's what the the movement house is all about so what age did you start yoga um, oh my goodness! <laughs> I still, you know, I, it's hard to, it's hard to always remember this because I actually asked my mum and she just said well, you were always doing yoga, so it's really <laughs> difficult to know when I first started. I mean, to be honest though, I think a lot of babies are always just doing yoga, yeah, right? True. Happy baby, there's one for you. Um, so. I, I guess, yeah, always doing yoga. I was a dancer from the age of two. I was born with um, a disease in my legs called Chiasmiasmus gallagher. Um, and my, I had severe pigeon toe. My legs were completely turned inwards um, and bent up towards my ankles. Okay. And so over a lot of uh, therapy when I was a child and having braces on my legs and so on, um, eventually my, my feet started to come into the correct direction that they needed to be to be able to walk uh, comfortably um, uh, but I couldn't get a turn out so my hips were very closed my knees were very twisted and my feet turned in um, so they put me into Bali when I was two years old to get me a turnout, which actually I ended up absolutely loving um, and realized actually I just wanted to be a dancer and so I started I became a dancer when I was very young um, so I studied dance since well I was doing dance since two and that kind of tied in a lot with yoga as well mum was a yogi um, and funny enough, she actually sent me a picture recently of my Chinese grandmother doing a yoga pose when, I mean, I, she looks quite young in it, so I would have been very young. Yeah. So my nana also used to do yoga as well. Okay. Um, so it kind of runs through the family. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, and then from that I became a dancer. Um, well, actually, I lived, I lived this kind of very strange, I guess, double life when I was a kid. Um, on one hand, <laughs> I was a surfer. And, uh, and that was my, my one of my biggest passions, and still is one of my biggest passions. And I wouldn't ever tell anyone that I went surfing, that I was a dancer. <laughs> so I used to surf all day, like all the cool kids. And I used to run home quickly, scrape my hair back, put loads of gel in it, put it into a bun, and then run up with my ballet slippers to my ballet class. <laughs> and I'd always turn up late, and my ballet teacher would be, where have you been? I'd be, oh, I've been surfing. And she'd say, that's rubbish, you don't want to surf, you want to be doing ballet. And I'd think, okay, I was, I was so confused, you know. I was like, yeah. I don't know what I want to be doing. I just love both of them. Um, you were living so, a secret life. So a secret life, yeah, as a surfer and as a ballerina. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, and, uh, and I remember that, People used to call me, I had a nickname for a while, when everyone found out that, you know, the guys at Surf found out I did ballet, um, they used to call me Ballyboff Bixie was my name. I used to always remember they say, you boffin' it tonight, Lisa, because that's what they used to call it when I used to go dancing, boffin' it. <laughs> go, you boffin' it tonight. <laughs> Where did you live? Um, so this was in Cornwall. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I was born in Scotland, I was born in Arbroath. Um, my father was based uh, there, he was in the military. Um, he was a captain in the Marines, and he was based there just around the time of the Falkland Islands and Northern Ireland. Uh, he was based in Scotland, and um, I popped out during all of that. And then we left, uh, we left Scotland, well, actually we stayed in Scotland, we travelled to Scotland for a year in a, in a van. I only found that out recently, we were travelling on, yeah, living in this van, and um, exploring really, while Dad was kind of still in the forces, it was mainly me, Mum, 
and uh, my sister Emma. And then we left and went and moved down to Devon and into Cornwall Way. Um, and I grew up there for until I was about nine years old, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, parents split. And then uh, my father, um, he was still in the forces, but was kind of coming out of the forces at this time due to having some mental illness that he wasn't aware of. He didn't really know what was happening. You know, he was a military man, also in a time where, and still now we don't know what a lot of these kind of terms that are used for mental illness um, really are. So especially then, there was no no terminology for any of it. So he didn't really know what was happening and made a conscious decision it was time to leave the forces. Um, so he bought a, bro- a boat and sailed on this boat out into the Mediterranean with his then wife, Shirley, who who's still with uh, my stepmom, and kind of hit the high seas in the kind of hope of moving to the Caribbean. That was the plan. Um, so he was just sailing to the Caribbean? Exactly, that was it, yeah. <laughs> and bought this boat that wow. he he knew needed work done on it. Yeah. And the idea was it was a project that he would put his mind into um, yeah. because something wasn't going on right in his body and his mind. He mm-hmm. knew something was, was wrong. So he needed a focus. So he bought this boat that he'd have to do work to and he would take him to, you know, to this big journey. I mean, my dad's an extremely ambitious man, also a crazy one as well. Do you think <laughs> that you're going to sell to the Caribbean of a boat that doesn't work, basically? <laughs> you know, you'll fix it along the way. That's and my scary. poor, oh goodness me, yeah. My poor stepmom, you know, I just, I, have I know, she just so went much along. respect for that woman. <laughs> what she's gone through, I'm like, wow. You know, but also, she's she's got to be crazy to say, you know, I think she was very much in love, but to say, yeah, let's jump on a boat and who cares if it works? Let's see Hope what we happens. Get there. Yeah, exactly. And did so they get there? They never made it, no. <laughs> Funny enough, no. <laughs> so they um they travelled around pretty much around the coast of, of Europe through France, Spain, uh, and then down through Portugal and back around kind of southern Spain. Um and just wanted to be in sunshine, you know, yeah. that was it. It was chasing the sun. Um, I think dad, again, not feeling well and not knowing what was going on, just wanted to be somewhere warm where days were longer, um, you know, and a better quality of life. Um, So due to the boat not being obviously in the fittest of shape, it did mean that they had to stop quite a few times. (laughs) So when you begin to ask them, where did you, where have you lived in your life? The story becomes extremely long if you count, you know, a month here and there. Yeah. Um, So they, they stopped pretty much everywhere and... And, you know, experienced the whole coastline, really, of Portugal and Spain. And realised they really loved Spain, um, but didn't really know where they wanted to end up. You know, they were living on this boat, and it was just an adventure, really. Um, And then, during that time, Dad, suddenly he was getting worse. Um, Again, still not really knowing what was happening. Um, But what it turned out to be is that PTSD was setting in, Mm -hmm. due to what he had been through in the Falkland Islands and in Northern Ireland. Um, my dad is actually, he was the man who allowed, who let the flare off to say to shoot against uh, what they believed was the opposition, but turned out to be their own men. Okay. Um, so it was one of the biggest mess ups in war and they yeah. ended up shooting against their own people um, and they killed four of their own men and I think injured, I think it was around 10 people. Um, and so my dad's obviously had to live with that on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what's led him to being really riddled in PTSD mm-hmm. um, and also you know from Northern Ireland and, and pretty much what you go through generally in being in, in the forces um, so so that would set in um, the boat wasn't doing 100% um, <laughs> but it, you know it was getting along yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they'd had some problems I believe it was with the main mast um, on the boat and so they had to dock quickly, and the closest place for them to dock at the time was San Antonio Bay in Ibiza. Mm-hmm. And that was it. They never left. <laughs> and that was, goodness me, how many years ago? I have no idea. That's many, many years ago now. And they've lived there ever since. And they actually only moved to land in 2010. So they lived on the, on the boat, you know, oh, all really? that time. Wow. They had my brother over there. My brother's uh, very young. He's 18. Um, which I, always makes me smile that my dad's still... Still going strong. And um, and so they have my brother there. And, you know, they kind of outgrew the boat very quickly after that. And Shirley, bless her, was, you know, rowing ashore with a kind of this old wooden dinghy, two oars, while, you know, having a kid strapped to her and then carrying all the shopping and a dog. 
Wow. So, you know, she is superwoman. So she, um, yeah, so she was kind of, after a while, I think, it, you know, it was time for her to have a kitchen that was bigger than the range of both her elbows. And uh, and so it was time to move ashore. Yeah. So that's basically how they ended up actually living on land. And Dad sold the boat, and that was the end of the, the boat adventure. <laughs> but the new adventure, I guess, was to begin, which was them integrating themselves into society because they hadn't really been around it for yeah. so long. Um, which then led to the real kind of understanding of PTSD and actually how extensive it was um, in my dad um, as he became kind of quite aware of his struggles with paranoia. Um, with, I mean, that was probably one of the hardest bits of his paranoia because he's, and still now, you know, very much is, is still in that place, but can control it better okay but being on land where there's suddenly noise there's people and you're in Ibiza and you're in San Antonio which is one of the I mean it's the area that we all kind of where the stigma is the most of of uh of Ibiza um where all the crazy kids are getting drunk in the streets and there's cars and there's mopeds and there's loud people and there's people on holiday and laughing and drunk and you know there's music and so there's a lot happening and for people who do have PTSD, um, they can be very sensitive yeah. to noises, um, to big crowds. Um, so really, it probably wasn't the best place for them to be, even though he denies that and tells me that it is. So I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I think at times it is. I think there's, there's yeah. a massive amount that's great for him. Um, but I think there's a huge amount that triggers as well. Mm. Um, but obviously now many years of having PTSD and now knowing that he has that and, and knowing more about PTSD, um, he's able to kind of, you know, look after himself and he has the tools to be able to help himself in those SOS moments. Um, yeah. And sometimes they get the better of him, but mainly, you know, mainly he's he has it under control these days, which is which is great. Um, so, so yeah, so that's the, the journey really with, with Dad. Um, and is that how you got to Ibiza through her? Yeah, so it was through Dad, um, really, that I, I first started going there. Um, yeah, just a young kid going over, exploring. Especially if I'd been naughty, my mum would send me there. I remember that. <laughs> that and sounds like a us, great yeah. punishment. <laughs> I know, it's like, wow, I'm not sure. But this is, I don't really think you understand what's happening here. I keep being naughty because you keep sending me to yeah. Ibiza. <laughs> I was I was a little bit of a, a mischievous child, um, so uh, so yeah. So I'd be sent to Ibiza, and and you know, Dad was very regimented, and he was he you know he was ex-military and he was a captain, so it was it wasn't actually always the greatest place to be because he wanted to march you around places and treat you like a, a marine or a soldier. <laughs> so you know, sometimes you're like, well, just chill out on the beach. And you're like, oh, you've been naughty. You've got to climb this hill I'd be like, oh my god you know so it, it was slight punishment at times but in a really beautiful setting which yeah. is quite confusing. The blow. Yeah, confusing as a kid you're like I'm not sure if I like this punishment but I love being here yeah so um so that's how I ended up going and then I became a, I used my dancing skills and became a dancer there um and loved it I mean you were dancing in front of anything you know kind of be Three thousand people to fourteen thousand people in one night, and you're on a podium. You're you're high, and you get to be quite creative in your dancing. You know, it's not just podium dancing, especially now. It's very creative. The stuff that happens there. Oh, also um, in like all the clubs in Ibiza. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and we used to um, we just used to kind of do a bit of costume making, and then do a bit of the concepts and so on, and and then from that just kind of started having girls say to me, you know, do you know of another job and. I'd be like, oh yeah, we can get you on this job perhaps. And then people would come to me and ask me, do I have any girls for jobs? And start to kind of create this small kind of booking system of, of dancers. And then was like, oh, do you know what? Maybe I should make a business out of this, kind of as I do with everything. <laughs> um, and that was how my, my, well, my second business, um, Bear Moose, was born. And then I had Bear Moose for 12 years. It was a production company. Uh -huh. uh, we created concepts for the nightclubs, um, for festivals, uh, we travelled around the world. Um, I was a choreographer for it. We did costume design. We did music videos. Um, yeah, you name it, anything related to production or movement in some way, um, we were we were quite linked. Um, and so I had that for twelve years, and but the the late nights got the better of me eventually. Um, <laughs> so in the end, it was time to time to kind of hang up my my dancing shoes and and sell the business. So I sold it a few years ago. 
um, and put my main focus and everything now into into kind of a different style of movement, a different type yeah. of movement, and into kind of the more yoga related side of things. So is that how were you still doing the dance, and when you got more into yoga? Yeah. So um, I mean, my yoga has always been. I've had my my kind of self practice my whole life, every day religiously. Okay. Um, and yoga and teaching has always been. I've always taught. Um, I've fallen in and out of it sometimes um, because just generally life takes over. That's how it works. Um, never regretted any of that. It took me on different journeys. And it was all, always linked to movement in some way. Yeah. You know, even if it was surf-related, it's still movement. If it was dance, it's still movement. If it's yoga. Um, so I never really felt that I was empty anywhere from movement. You know, I was definitely yeah. constantly still moving. And that's my most biggest love, uh, whatever form it comes in. And, but then what happened was that, like I say, the late nights started to get the better of me. My personal practice started to suffer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a bit more popular as a teacher. Uh, people were asking me to teach and I was almost going to classes a little bit shaded because I'd been working late, you know, so I wasn't putting my all into it. I felt I wasn't connected enough to it. Um, and then I kind of had to sit down and really think, what is it that I want out of this whole scenario where I've got basically two businesses happening both yeah. related to movement but what serves me the best and my mental health more than anything and that was yoga so yeah. it was a bit of a no-brainer really and you know it was, it's it's hard to let go of something that because everything's been a passion project so it's hard to let go of that um, but it's been filled with something that really if anything has probably allowed me to move freer um, and has actually fulfilled me a lot more yeah. as time's gone on. You know, it's just uh, it's just a process. Of yeah, everything's a process of you'll do things in life, and it's not going to all be forever. But mm-hmm. it's growing you and teaching you things that's going to guide you into the next thing exactly. in your life. That's so cool. I didn't know all this about you. So yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> You've lived such an amazing life so far. Well, you know, it's it's funny because. It's one of those things that I think in in my life, because I've, I've travelled a lot as well, um, and when it comes to telling my story, it's a very long story, that's for yeah. sure, um, and it's very fulfilled with a lot of stuff, and there's a, there's a lot of things that sometimes don't necessarily come together so well, because I did a lot. Yeah. You know? um, but that was really it. I, I had my first business at 17, and the whole point for me always was that I was to only ever do what was going to make me happy in life, regardless if I made money from it or not. Yeah. That didn't bother me at all. It was just about wanting to do what I loved because from a very young age, something in me wasn't right. I was struggling with certain emotions um, that I didn't necessarily think were normal. Um, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't see other kids act sometimes like I was. I would feel down quite a lot when I was younger. Um you know, I think generally everyone's problems are big or small to each other. And, you know, some people, their parents split and people go, oh, you know, everyone's parents divorced, but people's parents divorce. And that can be a huge effect on, on mm-hmm. children's lives. Um, and I think potentially my parents' divorce played a huge part in that. Um, probably also because they had a very uh, unhappy relationship um, and kind of mentally and physically abusive. So that hu- that played a huge part. Um, and... You know, and then other things as well around that from parents having mental health issues too yeah. um, and the way that they treat you and the way that you're brought up. So, you know, there's many factors that add to why potentially I was feeling very, well, not feeling normal as a child and thinking some, you know, I found it very strange. I didn't know why I acted in the way I did. I could be erratic at times. Um, I could be very emotional at times. And uh, I remember going to a doctor at a very young age and, and saying I didn't feel very well and them telling me that that's depression. And I remember thinking, well, I don't even know what that is. You know, I'm like a child. I have no idea what depression is. Mm-hmm. Um, no computers around to Google depression, yeah. you know, and my reading and writing has never been very good. Um, so I was not one to be drawn into a library to yeah. go and research that. So I just was told I had this depression and they told me the best thing for you to do is to take some medication. And I remember thinking, right, okay, goodness me, all right, so I need to take something for this. What do I take? And they said this, this drug called citalopram, which is 
extremely easy and accessible on the NHS to, to get, you know, you could say tomorrow that you don't feel very well and they could give it to you the next day, you know, and then before you know it, you're on a whole process of taking um, this medication. So anyway, I did, and I did take it because I didn't know what else to do with the child and I didn't know enough about anything. Um, and then they do tell you that potentially you're not going to feel great for a couple of weeks. They don't really tell you exactly how you're going to feel, yeah. which is like absolute complete shit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you feel awful. Um, and you're young. You know, I was a kid and I was like, well, I don't want to eat anything. Um, I couldn't sleep. You know, I, I was very numb for a while. And then I thought, well, hang on, I'm numb. So maybe this is working. Maybe now I don't need to feel any emotion. Okay, so suddenly well, you're like, right, yeah. now I have no emotions. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the most extreme thing. You know, it's, it's a real, um, it's very hard to get your head around it when you have no knowledge of what's going on at all. Um, and so that was it. Then after that, I was never really saw a doctor about anything. I never was asked, how am I getting on with my medication? And I stayed on my medication until five years ago. Wow. And I came off my medication five years ago by myself. Yeah. I made a conscious decision one day that I've had this stuff in my body for so long. Mm-hmm. I've just been taking it and going through the motions. Why am I taking this stuff? Um, and I didn't really know who I was. I thought, well, hang on a minute. I don't even know if any of this is me anymore because I've taken this for so long. And, okay, obviously, probably one of the things I should have looked into is how to come off of it. And what I just did is came off of it. Oh, gosh. I yeah. literally just threw it away and that was it. Um, I took a lower dose at first by halving the pills and then I just threw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, still even to this day, I get these moments where the only way I can describe it, it's like a kind of, it's like an electric shock. It was like someone's wringing out a sponge where I feel I'm being squeezed in some way, not in a comfortable way. Um, and whether it's still the adjustment of my body from this chemical that's been in it for so long, um, I, I don't know. I don't know why, why exactly I have it, but it was very intense at the beginning. Um, and then I went back through that process of not being able to sleep, not being able to eat properly. Um, and then emotions mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe, you know, and then I was like, oh my goodness, this is, should I have come off this? You know, but I persevered and I stayed with it and it was the best thing I ever did completely. Um, I feel very blessed that potentially I have that ability to be able to, of got through that tough time yeah. um, because I, it's not something I would probably say to someone to do to just cut your medication and just stop I would definitely get advice on it and I would do it the way that it is recommended um, because it is extremely hard um, but somehow I did manage to get through that um, Was there anything that you'd done like in that time to help you through it? So yoga was also a huge help for sure um, but then again, there were times where I just did not want to move at all. Yeah. Um, really, for me, self-help was the biggest thing. Uh, reaching out to friends, being honest with my closest mates, people that never even knew I'd taken this stuff my whole life, you know. Yeah. Um, and probably people that, if they listen to this podcast, that might know me for a very long time, probably would never have known I've taken it. Yeah. Um, and I think also because I was very ashamed for a long time. Um, one thing I'm definitely not now is ashamed, but during taking it, I, w- I felt very ashamed that I was having to live on this medication. And to be honest, I kind of forgot about it after a while. Yeah. You know, taking it for so long. Um, but yeah, self-help, uh, researching in areas what there is available to go to, support groups, um, and talk. Yeah, talk talking really. That was that was the biggest thing, is opening up and just being honest about it, um, and trying to be okay with how I was feeling yeah saying it's okay to feel like this right now because you have a chemical coming out of your body yeah. you don't really know how you feel naturally so you know hormones emotions I mean especially also being a woman with all those things to do yeah. with as well <laughs> you know those added, added extra bits um so yeah really it was it was I took it upon myself to do a lot of self-help but yoga and movement but one of the biggest things I've found that's helped me out of anything has been walking. That's been one of my biggest, biggest saviours. Um, I always loved walking, but I didn't actually realise how much I loved it and how much it did for me. Yeah. Being out in nature and just feeling like I can process my thoughts a lot more when you've got a wider space around you. You know, an endless space. Oh, so it's not like, so like you're not like enclosed in a building or something. Exactly. You've just got this more clear exactly that's it you know and you've got 
you've got a long road in front of you so yeah. you know there's nothing that kind of blocks your view you know everything is is eventually reachable everything is open everything is a lot clearer yeah. so I get a lot more clarity from being outdoors and walking you know I'm I'm definitely a bit of a you know kind of a, a bird and no mm. birds to be caged as they say right so yeah. I'm definitely if I'm kept inside too long I can I can see the effects of that quite easily I mean that's something I'm very aware of now but I wasn't before yeah you know I wouldn't understand why I would get quite pent up or I'd feel out of sorts so I'd find that I was getting more emotional or feeling more depressed and it would always be the pattern became that it would be because I was staying indoors too long and do you think like a lot of people do stay indoors more nowadays just because we all like work like people work a lot so they're in buildings all the time then they maybe go from work to home and they don't spend a lot of time outdoors so maybe that can be like quite a contributor of people having a lot of mental health issues these days like not not as many people spend as much time as outdoors as they used to yeah 100% I totally and utterly think that yeah um like you said from one job to home you know because people are overworked these days underpaid there's a lot of stress um you know and and they spend this whole day in one building where not a lot of natural light probably getting in even Mm -hmm. if it is you know it's different you're breathing different types of air yeah you know you're around so many people with lots of things going on we're affected by all different emotions energies exactly vibrations from people there's so much that's affecting you without even knowing it subconsciously and then you leave this space and potentially you take the work with you and all you can think about is wanting to get home because you want to have your downtime and the mm-hmm. only time really you've been outside is that journey between and you don't even notice. And you might be in a car or a bus. So. Exactly, that most likely <laughs> you are. So you're exactly, maybe outside you know. for this tiny bit of time. Because I remember when, when I worked at my last job and I was like, I, w- I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was in a low space because I was ill and stressed and all, all the rest of it. And if I just worked all day there... Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I'd work till late at night then I would just come home and I wouldn't be outdoors. And I remember at one point thinking it was a summer and it had been beautiful weather and I had not seen any of it. And I was like, I've missed all this time to get outdoors. Even mm-hmm. I'm, like I'd have one day off a week and I would have to, I'd have other things to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've not been outdoors in the longest time. And I, I feel like that was just contributing to me being in such a low space. So I started to walk to work. I started to walk home from work, which is about 20 minutes, half an hour. But it just started to make all the difference, just mm-hmm. getting that outdoors. Like you say, that clear space in front of you, just clearing your head with a walk it's so powerful oh, and I think just like Hugely. if you can walk through like a green space and be with like the earth I love grounding I think it's mm-hmm. something that's so so powerful for me if I'm feeling like quite tired um just to go outside and get your feet on the grass is so powerful completely yeah that's it I think if, even if it is you know 10 minutes of your day 20 minutes of your day yeah um it's definitely something that people need to do more of you know and I know it's hard it's it's so it's easier said than done you know and when you are tired especially if you do have a very physical job yeah or you have a lot of pressure at work um you know sometimes you just don't feel like doing anything at all I I understand that Mm -hmm. but that small little time can really change the whole perspective on your day completely yeah you know um and that's really speaking from experience um I've been in some very dark places over my life and um and due to I was I was actually diagnosed with PTSD nearly three years ago um and during that time when I didn't know that I had PTSD but during that time um I was in some places that became very confining and I my safe space was to be indoors as as I thought yeah um and I was very very lucky at the time to have a wonderful uh, man around me who was able to detect when that was happening and get me at that point and be able to very calmly and very relax in a very relaxed way to get me to understand that just to come outside the bedroom would help and he would slowly do those little things come down the stairs to the bottom floor and then come to the front door the back door and just come and stand outside for two minutes. Yeah. All the way to whenever I felt like that, I was ready to get up and go for a walk, you know. And it was amazing because it went from times of when I didn't notice it that I would just stay in and it could take a couple of days being in that space. And then all the way through to when I started to detect it because he made me very aware of it, I'd be like, let's get outside now. I need to get outside now. And he'd take me somewhere and we'd walk, you know. And, and it was the power of that would turn the whole way of my thinking. Um, 
and I, I remember reflecting back on moments and thinking, oh my goodness, how how much how much the medication would hide so much from me of you know just existing in life um and still I'd have so many down points even when I was taking that medication so it didn't after a while it didn't serve its purpose at all you know I still was struggling a lot with mental illness um but being off of it I was had so much more clarity to actually acknowledge those moments that one I wasn't in a good space and be able to make the right decision to to better myself without any medication at all yeah. and just using absolute you know nature using what we have naturally around us yeah um and that has been way more powerful than any drug I could ever take so it's definitely there's something in it for sure um and it is something I recommend to people but like I say, I know it's not easy to always be able to, you know, find the energy or the, you know, the time sometimes to do those things. Yeah, but if you can, even just trying to get outside for 10 minutes. Well, or like you said, cool. you know, changing your pattern of how you arrive to work and how yeah. you leave work, if it means using that time to walk, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and it's like anything, right? It takes a few times to get kind of bump started yeah. you know once the engine's running smoothly it's, uh, it's an easy ride after that you know it becomes sure. part of your routine yeah you know and that that's it it's breaking habits and break you know and creating good routines for yourself yeah exactly and once you start to feel the benefits of it you know that if you slip back you can then s kind of compare and you could be like I actually know this I need to keep doing this yeah whatever exactly it, whatever that may be that's it you've already become I mean it's, it is my drug you know um, <clears throat> excuse me um, I spend probably not so much at the moment with the movement house opening but also I'm pretty lucky that I'm outdoors still quite a lot and um, I get to travel quite a lot so that kind of helps but when I first came back to Edinburgh and we, we first started opening up the movement house or, or building it um, it was vitally important for me that twice a week I went on two long walks yeah um and usually for me it's very much coast related because I was growing up near the sea so it's usually coast related but it doesn't really matter I mean as long as I'm somewhere in nature and I can be away from crowds and so on um but it became my drug it was it was like oh my goodness I need to take that walk you know yeah. I need to go on that <laughs> walk now I, I can feel everything is kind of closing in a little bit and it's getting you know, that you, your hearing becomes slightly muffled and the sight's not so clear and it's like, right, I know exactly what I need to do, you know, and, um, and it's like that drug's calling towards me and I'm like, right, I'm just yeah. going to go do that and then I do it and, my goodness, I'm like straight back, back into it and focus, you know, so there's a huge amount of power in that and, I mean, I've obviously evolved as a person as I've gotten older and I've learned how to deal with things in specific ways and I have different tools and so on that I use, but... But that's definitely played a humongous part in it, for sure. You know, I can easily say that that's one of the biggest things I would recommend to anyone that's really struggling, is to find that way and, and hope, and I hope, that they have a good support that can help them with that as well. And there's yeah. many incredible walking groups, um, especially in Edinburgh, um, during the time when I was diagnosed with PTSD, um, I was put on a waiting list through the NHS for nine months to be able to be seen by a psychiatrist, um, which, you know, at the time I was like, right, okay, so I've come to you kind of in a SOS moment of help me, and you're telling me I have to wait for your help for nine months. And wow. I was like, okay, how does, you know, I don't I don't really understand what's happening here. I'm asking for yeah. your help, and you're telling me I have to wait nine months so you can help me. I was, it was crazy. Um, so I took it upon myself to look at what was available in Edinburgh, and found St Mary's Cathedral and at the back of St Mary's Cathedral on a Thursday there is the NHS mental health service and it's free. Um, the people in there are wonderful to go and speak to. You can just chill out, have a cup of tea with them. Um, even some biscuits as well. They survive biscuits, which is always nice. Mm -hmm. um, and you can talk to them about anything. And then they have a room filled of leaflets um, to connect you into pretty much most of it is free which is so great to see. Um, and you've got everything. You can imagine anything through anxiety, depression, um, abuse, um, alcohol, drugs-related. Um, uh, yeah, you name it, basically, everything is in there. And you can find groups to go to. You can find creative things to do with like-minded people. Um, you can find uh, anything from psychiatrists, um, therapy, uh, CBT, NLP, you name it. 
it's yeah. all in there. So there is a lot on offer. Um, it's not so easy when you don't feel great to go looking for it, mm-hmm. but it's important to know that it is there. And that one step that you take could really ultimately change your life completely, which it did for me. I mean, I'm very grateful for that service because that is actually what really helped me to get to the place I am today and be able to actually deal with the issues that I have with mental health in a really healthy way and a really natural way um, and actually realise the amount of support that is around me um, and it allows me to know that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only person that feels that way, yeah. you know, it opens up that avenue for you, so so it's definitely something I, I would recommend. Yeah, because it can be such a lonely place to be in, mm-hmm. in that state. I, my husband went through depression um, must be about five or six years ago and because he just held everything inside and he didn't and now he knows he's like now I know like anything that's going on I'll just talk, talk about it because I don't want to hold it in but he just mm-hmm. held it in and he just felt like he couldn't speak to anybody mm-hmm. and it was such like this lonely place for him so yeah and he went to speak to people and it's just having those people to speak to I think is just so nice I think the thing is as well is that once you do start talking yeah. Um, well, first of all, you notice that pretty much, you know, every, as sad as it is really, that nearly every single person is struggling with some sort of mental health issue. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, it makes, yeah, it's, it's sad to know that that's really where we are these days because I think a lot of us have held it inside and we've all had things that we just haven't dealt with. Um, but then you realise that actually how many people there are and you realise you're not alone, and yeah. you know the moment you start talking, other people start talking, and I think once you let it out, once you do start to talk, it's almost impossible to hold anything inside suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, it's like, you know, and I think very much like you are saying with your husband, is that yeah. you know the effects of keeping it inside, and yeah. I remember how traumatic time has been, you know, when I haven't spoken about something, and I've really been in the darkest place, and I've had to deal with that. You know, you're asking yourself a question, yeah. If you're asking a question, there's no answer, of course, you know, it's, and that's exactly how it was. You're just constantly in this horrible circle of turmoil um, with no answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moment you speak, suddenly all the answers come to you quite easily. And it's yeah. like, wow. And, and I think it, it, it's, yeah, it almost becomes impossible to hold something inside anymore. Yeah. You know, you just now you just have to talk about it, which I feel so sorry for everyone. <laughs> but I'm just talking and I love a chat, as you know. So. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh God, I wish you'd keep everything inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, again, another thing that's extremely yeah. powerful is, yeah, it's the power of speaking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, is this your whole mental health journey is kind of built up to this moment that yeah. you're having in life right now, <laughs> yeah. where exactly. you're opening the Movement House. Mm-hmm. So would you like to speak a little bit about the Movement House and what, yeah. you're, what it's all about? Yeah, of course. Um, so... So first of all, the actually the movement house is going to be dedicated to um, to two of my very good friends. So my first friend Tom Nielsen, who was my my bestest bestest mate, um, who unfortunately passed away nearly three years ago now, um, struggling very badly with mental health um, and committed suicide. Um, and and I actually found him, which was the start of the journey of the PTSD the PTSD um, journey. Um, and the other person is Richard Bridge, who recently uh, passed away as well, in the same circumstances, unfortunately. Um, and so they're two people that I was very close to. Um, Richard, not so much in my older years, but um, in my young years, and uh, was a very uh, charismatic, um, eccentric, quirky man um, who loved a pair of bosoms. I definitely remember that. <laughs> Loved a pair of prisons. So, um, but he, uh, yeah, you know, one person that just, you would never have known something was up with that person, you know, which, which yeah. for most people struggling with mental health, you wouldn't, you know, we're great at hiding a lot of things. Um, and we'll always be the life and soul of the party because generally we are also quite happy people, very yeah. creative people. Um, and he was a wonderful musician and it was a huge shock when that happened. Um, and it was a great reminder of exactly why I wanted to create really what is a safe space. Um, utilising everything that is, utilising everything that I know I can deliver 100% confidently and that is movement, that is my, my main thing. Um, so obviously the name was a no-brainer, the Movement <laughs> House, um, but also called that because it is about hopefully creating this movement um, of lifting the stigma of mental health and making a space where we can speak openly and honestly about how we feel. 
Um, so we'll be offering, we're a mixed movement studio, so we're offering like an array of different classes. Um, we will offer our kind of traditional yoga classes, um, taking it back to the very beginning of yoga, where it started, because it's a huge part in everyone that's part of the Movement House team. Um, we all came from that, you know, and I like to keep that alive because we are losing that a lot these days. Uh, in obviously this kind of mixed movement, this more dynamic work. Um, so it's nice to keep that kind of tradition there and the reasons why all of us kind of got into yoga in the first place. So we'll have our traditional side, um, and then anything after that is a mixed movement class. So we have mixed movement yoga, mixed movement dance, mixed movement martial arts, and mixed movement core. So that's the main things that are happening in our studio downstairs. Um, and then we have a room upstairs as well, which is the safe space. Um, that will be kind of meditation, mind science, therapy, and a place for people to come to. If they're not feeling great, they just want to come have a chat, they're feeling a bit anxious. Um, if they don't feel great after a class, they can come and sit with us. And uh, what we're trying to achieve is that no one leaves the movement house feeling alone or feeling unwell, that they're able to feel as... as well, they leave when they're ready, when they yeah. feel ready to leave. Um, we have a juice bar and a vegan or vegetarian cafe, which is going, which is called Nourish, which is brilliant. Nourish in the Movement House. This wonderful chef, Emily, she's incredible. Um, and she's actually going to be working on matching the food to the classes. Oh, so, wow. yeah, so if you've done that's something that's cool. quite physical, you're going to maybe need something with a bit more protein in it and so on. If you've done something that's very chilled, maybe you want something that's going to help you to sleep. So all the food will be tied into what our classes are and the times of the day. Mm -hmm. um, we are actually going to run with a mantra every week. So the mantra will be created by you as the community. Um, everyone will put, as the week goes on, is to check into our little mantra box what their mantra is. We'll pick one out every week and then everything in the movement house will run by that mantra, including the food as well and the juice. So the idea is, is that we are working with the community um, to offer them what they feel they need. Yeah. Um, and so we, offer, we also offer a class called Care to Care, which is for carers of um, people who uh, struggle with mental health. Um, it's a free class for them, um, which happens once a week. And we also have a class for foster parents, um, which is free as well for them to come to. Um, and those classes are really about kind of connecting with like-minded people, people who are going through the same things. So they're able to feel that support, so they know they're not alone as well, um, because the carers really are remarkable. You know, I've been in that position where I've cared for people and I've been cared for, and, um, and it's not easy either side. So... Um, it's something that is, is vitally important that they get as well as much love and care and attention as possible um, and trying to get people to connect more through movement as well so yeah. a lot of the classes are kind of connected movement classes where they work with partners and they're able to oh, cool. yeah to build that kind of trust and that confidence mm -hmm. um, all of our classes are about building confidence um, about overcoming certain fears challenges um, and we have certain classes that are also related to things like anxiety, talking about what the postures that we use in those classes are most beneficial for. Um, and then we have a class which is an SOS class, which teaches you postures that if you are in a moment that you are not feeling good and you need something in that moment that we can give you an array of postures that you can do that will help with anxiety, help with frustration, stress, feeling overwhelmed. Um, so the idea of the whole thing is that we are trying to better people to feel, again, like I say, comfortable to speak openly about how they feel, um, but giving them the right tools so when they do feel that way, they know that they have movement in place to be able to help them. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's the movement. It just sounds so incredible, and I think there's nothing like this. Mm -hmm. And because it's coming from a place of your experience... Mm -hmm. It's so like authentic and I'm just so excited to see this grow. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm so excited to come and yeah, I think it's just going to help so many people. Yeah, I think that it's that, like you say, though, coming from, and, and not just my experience as well, actually, because the obviously the concept is, is mine and it's something that, again, it's another passion project. Um, and, uh, and it obviously comes from all of my experience from my past of mental health, but the team that is yeah. the movement house as well have all got their own story um and some really incredible remarkable stories in there um from every single person that works there that has a story um so everyone is able to associate with people that come through the door um that everyone shows empathy to others and 
everyone is willing to listen. And I think that's what makes me probably the most excited um, because that is really the most important part for me is that the team is solid and the yeah. team is open um, because if we can all be that way, then we can deliver that to every person that comes through the door. And I'm yeah. confident then that no one will leave the movement house without feeling that they've really experienced someone who cares. And that's the biggest thing for me is that people who are part of what we do care, really care and have a passion for wanting to help to change people's lives. Yeah, for you sure. Know. They're not just going to come and do a class and leave. Exactly. Like, there's so it. much more to that. Exactly. And, you know, and obviously we, we've got the spaces open to um, ideas, workshops. Um, Saturday nights actually is our live music nights. We do kind of open mic night, um, spoken word, poetry. Oh, wow. um, so every Saturday there'll be something related to music in the night. Um, but it's open for workshop for ideas, renting the space, obviously, and obviously hoping that you, Sam, can obviously come in and do some stuff with yes. us as well, along your Reiki lines, and yeah. uh, and with everything that you do, you know, it'd be great to have you on board somewhere. Um, but yeah, we're always open to suggestions. Yeah. You know, we want people to just be involved. It's a community, you know, mm -hmm. it's about building a community. Um, you know, one, one guy said to me, you know, man, no man is an island. And yeah. I remember when I was in very dark places, that's how I felt. I felt very much I wanted to be alone. But that meant I couldn't ever call myself out of it. I needed other people to draw yeah. me out of that. Um, and now that I'm building that and I have this island with lots of people on it, um, the force is so strong and it's so supportive. And I feel so, I feel so safe that I'm not going if I do fall, I've got a million people around me to catch me. Yes. You know, and that's what a community is about. You know, that's the only way you're going to build it is if you all come together. So that's what yes. that's for us. So there'll be people who'll come who've maybe, who are maybe in this dark space and they're mm -hmm. going to build all these friendships and community that's going to help them so much. Exactly, yeah. Aww. That's the hope for sure. Yes, it's <laughs> definitely going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's the attitude that I like. <laughs> so what date, uh, for anybody who's listening who's in Edinburgh, when do you think it's going to open up? So we're looking hopefully, um, give or take, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we kind of shift the date a little bit, but, but we will be open by the end of May. That's the latest. Okay. Um, we're kind of hoping that. around the 23rd, 24th of May. Um, we'll have one week opening, which will be a free week, um, for you to come and try the whole schedule out and just, uh, yeah, just to see how it all works. We'll have an array of membership, um, memberships that you can join. We have low income membership. We have, um, memberships for people in mental health programs. Um, we have student, um, memberships, uh, yeah, lots of different things. So I, it's, it's very affordable. We're making it as affordable as possible, um, so that, everyone can come you know it's not about trying to make money it's about trying to change um, change the community in a good way yeah and the only way we're going to do that is if we all work together so, so there's lots of different um, options for memberships as well um, yeah so hopefully end of May Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll put your um, link to the Movements House Instagram in the show notes as well, so anybody listening can click on and see awesome. if it's open yeah, <laughs> when they <amazing>. listen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on oh, today. That's my it's pleasure. Been a pleasure to speak to you, oh, as always. Thank you for having me, Sam. And you're such a light, and it's going to be such a success. Oh, thank you. Like I say, it's the well, response that we like to hear. Yes. So, yeah. And having people like yourself around is what's going to help, you know, people that support us and, uh, and working together. Thank so, you. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. So um, we will put all Lisa's details in the show notes so you can follow all her accounts and keep up to date with what's happening. Thank you all for listening. Bye. If you love being part of the tribe, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and leave a comment or leave a five-star review and we will be back for you next week for more Tribe Talk.